And the Oscar goes to, by a nose, Nicole Kidman. Hello, Natalie. Hello, Sam. I actually can't believe that you and I are both uh, here at the same time doing this right now. We finally made it. It's all happening. Welcome to the Kid Manifesto. Um, Between you and I both, uh, this has been like a Herculean effort to to get us at the same time. Um, But I have a feeling it will be well worth it. I hope so. We both spent money on this movie. (laughs) We did. Yeah, that's the first thing. Um, That's, yeah, really (laughs) upsetting uh, for all involved parties. I couldn't believe, I mean, I sat down to watch it and I was like, I'm pretty sure... Like, I own this on iTunes, and I didn't. I was like, that's fine. So I was like, it's got to be on one of the, like, 17 streaming platforms. And, like, not only is it not there to, like, rent, it's simply not online anywhere. 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 I really think that Daniel Day-Lewis, like, wiped it from existence. I feel like it's, like, the black mark of his career. And he's just like, "Don't, don't let it be anywhere. It doesn't exist. It, yeah, and the funny thing is, is both you and I said, like, afterwards, like, he's not, he's definitely not bad in this movie. No, honestly, I don't think anyone is bad in this movie. I think, like, no one bothered me. <laughs> like, I... Your line dropped off. I, I think um, the last thing I heard you say, and I think the last thing that got picked up is when you said, I don't think anyone is bad in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> The computer immediately disagreed. I think that's what it was, is that my computer was like, no, uh, Kate Hudson. Uh, But I feel like Rob Rob Marshall is bad in this movie. Like, I think it's more just a terrible adaptation and then just like so many wasted talents. That's what like makes it almost more infuriating is that the cast is so good. And even the people that are bad are people that it's just like, well, you're bad because you weren't given a real thing to do. Right, right. How um, did you end up having to just like go buy a physical copy of this? Because I happen oh, to have a DVD. Absolutely, I did. I went on Amazon.com and uh, bought a physical copy for $6.46. Uh, and... <laughs> Just made it happen, made it happen, and then just sat and watched it. And what a dream. <laughs> I think we're both so, like, overly ready to talk about this since we've had it floating around in our world for actual months. Um, yes. I totally jumped the gun and didn't give you a chance to introduce yourself. <gasps> uh, would you mind? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Natalie Walker. Uh, I am an actor and writer and singer in New York, and most people know me from Twitter. I'm at NWOX there. I do like a thread of auditions for cliche women's roles in movies, and I've like written some for Vulture. I did a ranking of theaters for them, and I also, my favorite thing in the world was that I got to never been kissed the Jimmy Awards, basically. I just was like a fly on the wall uh, at the Teen Tony Awards (laughs) for like a week, which is my favorite. You got to do the like Steve Buscemi, hello, fellow children. Exactly. (laughs) That was my exact vibe the whole time. I was like with my computer and I would like hold my computer in front of me and be like, I fit in. 
but still they looked at me and like, I remember I told one of them I was 27 at one point, like I was interviewing them. I wasn't actually for the listener. I was not actually trying to pass myself off as one of them. I just sort of like got to be a fly on the wall and write about the experience. But while I was interviewing one of them, I like mentioned in passing that I was 27 and the look of like horror on this boy's face, just like, how could someone be that old? It was like really <laughs> wild. Oh, incredible. Uh, yeah, I, as I've said, I'm so thrilled to have you here. I think I've been quoting your audition video for like the woman whose white husband like solves racism for <laughs> yeah. maybe like the past <laughs> four weeks. Oh my God. The, it was the first thing when I went blonde. I was like, this is the moment. This is the person. This is it. It just makes me laugh because, like, I know for a fact Molly Parker has had to read that exact speech before. Yep. Yep. And yeah. I just, like, I hope that somewhere in her world when she's, like, not filming, I guess she's probably done filming uh, House of Cards, that she looks at that and, like, sees <laughs> sees something in that. All of, yeah. Get, to give other actresses catharsis is all that I aim to do with it is to just be like, yep, we've we've all gone in for this. Um, <laughs> uh, have you, I mean, how can I convince you to look up like Nicole's Stoker monologue and just like deliver that on Twitter one day? Oh my God. I would love to. I haven't seen Stoker. Which one is that? That's the one you've probably seen the gif where she's like in a fiery red wig and she says like, personally speaking, I can't wait to watch life tear you apart. That's oh, that one. Oh my. Oh yes. And it's Mia Wasikowska. Yes, great pronunciation on that, by the way. Yep, it was her. Oh, my God. There was a period where I was just like, it's Mia, it's Carrie Mulligan, it's Lily James, and they're all the same person. But now Lily has unexpectedly become queen of the world to me. I really thought that it was Carrie Mulligan and then Mia and then Lily. But now with Mama Mia, here we go again. Lily's at the top. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Mamma Mia and not uh, the Guernsey potato peel and <laughs> whatever society, that movie that she's in. Oh my God. What even is that? The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. I'm so sorry that I butchered that. Guernsey um, Potato Peel. It definitely, it definitely has a Nazi subplot as far as I understand, because I think the where the title comes from is they're all drunk and Jewish and then Great. they have to say that they're part of a book club and that's what they like stutter out. And if I'm wrong, I do not at me. No, I'll at you all over the place. Uh, this <laughs> English movies are so fucking weird. English entertainment Every time- are so bizarre and I don't, it's so low stakes and I just live. Wait, Glenn Powell is in this Potato Peel Society movie. Maybe <laughs> yes. I will go see it because Glenn, Glenn Powell, Glenn Powell is and so Lily James hot. are Glenn Powell and Lily James are the like felines of the film industry because we've given them a thousand chances to succeed, yes. and they both just keep taking all of them because Glenn Powell is going to have that first man movie. Yes, he. Like, we want him to succeed so we bad. Do. We gave Lily James Darkest I, Hour. I loved him and set it up. Oh, Lily James <laughs> in Darkest Hour? Did not see. No, thank you. Mr. Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. Not Yeah, me. Lily James. Lily, Lily James's character is basically one of your audition videos because she exists just to, like, remind 
um, Gary Oldman that there's like love and light in the world, but she also exists for like him to actually like make a joke out of exposing himself to her multiple times. Ew. Uh, it's truly unwell. No, thank you. Um, let's not talk about Gary Oldman though. Let's yes. talk about you and Nicole. I want to know, I want to know favorite performances. Yes. I want to know the first time you recognized her as an icon. Yes. Uh, my favorite, I have to say is Milan Rouge. I know it's difficult. Like it's a very polarizing movie, but I think she is unassailable in it. Like even people who hate Moulin Rouge for what it is, like she is so brilliant in it. Every moment, the length of her eyebrows, like everything. And it was the first like movie that I saw other than West Side Story, where I was like, this is a movie musical that I love. Cause I think like I saw West Side Story at the 1961 when they uh, re-released it for the 50th anniversary. And that was the first time I saw that because my dad got it for my mom. And that was the moment I fell in love with musicals was like watching Rita Moreno do America and just being like, oh, and the dance at the gym and like all of the colors and the swirling vibrancy of all of it. And, And then Moulin Rouge came out, I think, a few months after I saw West Side for the first time or like I saw Moulin Rouge like I may not have seen it in theaters but I think I saw it a few months after I fell in love with West Side Story and was like oh my god but now it's like songs that I already knew and also introduced me to songs that I did not realize were not songs written for the movie until later like Love Lifts Us Up Where We Belong I had never heard so many of the songs that they do in Moulin Rouge I did not realize were pre-existing pop songs until much later and then I was like oh this version of your song sucks. Um, <laughs> but like, I just fell in love with Nicole every moment of that movie. I was like, I've never seen someone so beautiful and perfect. And she sounds unreal in that movie. You don't, and that role is a hard thing in the movie. The fucking come what may reprise finale. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, Every moment that I fucking everything. <laughs> like she, oh my God, it's so good. And I just fell so in love with her. Smoldering temptress. Oh, every, every part of it. Every part of it. Iconic. <laughs> the, uh, the Moulin Rouge episode of this is truly like the season one of Drag Race, like lost episode because I was comatose hungover during it. Great. Uh, and <laughs> I definitely made Moulin that same Rouge point about like makes you feel <laughs> Moulin Rouge by the end. Yeah, I'm just like I'm <laughs> dead. I just oh. <laughs> I think I admitted in the episode, but I like tried to watch it like hungover in the bathtub, and I was like, it was echoing in the room, and then I was like, I've seen this movie enough times to just like wing it, and like it, it was, it's just so obviously apparent that like I just still couldn't do it because it really is an assault on all your senses in like the best way. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but she's untouchable in that movie. And, yeah. and you are by far not the first person to say that that is. Um, I think we're all of like that age. We're like, that hit us. Yeah. In, like a middle school, very impressionable, very vulnerable period. Yes. Because it's also, she's 
it's such an all-encompassing performance, which is always something that I'm really interested in. I think it's very easy for like prestige actresses to just emote and like be sad. But what I love about it is she's so good with the comedy and she's so joyful and effervescent for so long. Like it never feels like she's the trope of like, oh, this woman's going to die at the end. So it's so much more devastating when it takes the tragic turn because we've been having so much fun watching her and she's been so funny and weird and like, oh my God, the section where she's like trying to seduce him about the poetry. Like she's so funny and great. Oh my God. And it's so, it's so much more heartbreaking when it then takes the turn because we're, we've seen her be a fun person. It's yeah, it's the easiest movie in the world to like write off as inconsequential, but I know that it's a success. Well, I know that it's a success because when I lived with a bunch of straight people, I one time had it on and they all made jokes about it. But then by the end of the movie, everyone had sat down and everyone was watching it and everyone had a good time. Yes. And I was like, oh, that, this is the this proves that this is a good movie. Yes. My boyfriend is a composer and he's like, he writes musical theater but like his shows are very like electro pop like all like more modern sounding and so he's like very straight about like musicals (laughs) he's like oh I don't know like what that is or who that is Moulin Rouge is his favorite musical of all time it's his favorite (laughs) he loves it so much um I think it really brings people together. It brings people together in their hatred of it, and it brings people together in their love of it. Oh my god! And Richard Roxburgh, low key, so hot in that movie, and problematic hot for sure. me. But I <laughs> love him in it. Sorry, <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> we uh, we are not here to talk about Moulin Rouge today, although we should. But we are here to talk about something that I think, in some ways, is is better (laughs) yes oh because it's related because Uh, this is why like because i was so obsessed with her in moulin rouge i remember so vividly when nine was announced and when it was all like all the preamble to it and i was like i can't wait to see my girl nicole return to the musical a triumphant return to the musical for my nicole kidman and then <laughs> cut to her not singing for an hour and 30 minutes not fucking appearing only appearing via like we see a photo of her for a while <laughs> i can't <laughs> um did you i saw this movie on opening day which was christmas day i don't know about you but i don't think i saw it christmas day but i definitely saw it like the first week that it came out i was very excited to go do it and then <sighs> Oh, had you um, had you had exposure to the musical prior to seeing the movie? Yes, I had never seen the musical in full, but um, they did it at my feeder camp a bunch because it's like a bunch of women and one dude. Um, <laughs> literally the year actually the year before I started going to stage door, uh, they did a production of nine where Guido was played by Skylar Astin. 
of Pitch Perfect fame mm-hmm. when he was Skylar Lipstein. And it was like the talk of the, my first summer there. Everyone was still talking about Skylar's production of Nine. Um, but, Iconic. Yes, yes. So I like saw whatever they would end up doing for sneak peeks. I would see that. Um, and then, oh, and, and then a couple of my friends did it in their like high school uh, performing arts like program, like outside of high school, but it was in New York. So they did like into the woods and like complicated musicals and they did nine. And <laughs> what was crazy about that is that they had like two guys in the program. And so they had a Guido, but then they also made, they made Lillian LaFleur into a guy. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just my friend Ben, like, doing Folly Berger. It was insane. Oh my God. So that's really fun too, because sometimes that song just like grinds the show to a halt. Yeah. But no, <laughs> that was to a man is also just like really oh. a, a highlight for me because Ben was like such a character actor. And so they were just like, we can just give you this and it'll be fun. He was just like in a beret being an idiot. And I was like, this is like <laughs> my favorite thing. It's much better than watching my friend who's 16 do call from the Vatican for an audience of dads. <laughs> like I, Oh, a bummer, a profound bummer. I, um, the only exposure I'd had to this prior to the movie, and this is going to date this is like, I remember they were really big on like using, um, be Italian to hype the movie. Yeah. And I remember that I downloaded like the 30 second sample when they like pre-released it to my iPod and then I think, oh, I would have had an iPhone at that point, um, downloading it there. But I remember getting so excited because remember when Starbucks would give out those like cards and you could download like a single music yes. track? They had one for Fergie's Be uh, Italian. And so all I knew going into it was that. And honestly, that's all no, you need. It, Since then, I've... Oh, it really is the one moment of the movie where I'm like, oh, this is good. This is legitimately good. The parts of this are good. Yeah, that's that scene fires on every note that it needs yes. to. It's very, very good. Um, I think since then I've watched the boot of the Broadway revival, and I will say that I would take a bullet for Mary Stuart Masterson. Yes. yes. Her Louisa is, I mean, insofar as I can say definitive. Yeah, absolutely. Shattering. So good. Also, Krakowski kills i always forget because like now she is so uh attached to the sort of persona she created on 30 rock like i feel like she is so Mm -hmm. jenna maroney and jacqueline from kimmy schmidt where she has gotten so good at self-parody of like the level of vanity and insanity of that type of woman that I forget she's also like smoking hot and she is so fucking sexy doing call from the Vatican that sometimes I just go back and revisit it and I'm like oh right nine is a really fun show to just like watch because it literally is just a series of music videos it really is fun to just watch like individual numbers from either the movie or the Broadway production like it's just a quick way to like get a jolt of energy yes Yes. I don't I don't even know where to start. I think we should 
Do you want to just like give a one sentence explanation of the plot for those who, and I can't imagine anyone listening to this doesn't know what the plot of this show is. Uh, Nine is about a director named Guido Contini and all of the women in his life and the ways that they have influenced him by all being little slices of his life. The way that all women are. We all exist to be little slivers of one man. Oh, oh, what a dream. That's kind of that's kind of me with all my kid manifesto guests, I guess, at the end yeah. of the day. <laughs> we all are angel and <laughs> just... making up separate little parts of Sam. Um, okay, so I will ask the very loaded question up front, which is if you regardless of age or anything like that, um, had to play one of these roles tomorrow, which is the role that you're choosing. And why is it young Guido? <laughs> why is it young Guido? Yeah, honestly, young Guido, so I can watch <laughs> Fergie through the Italian. Um, I think it's Carla. I think it's got to be Carla. Yeah. I think, yeah. And if you let me, if you... But let me do the Krakowski thing so I don't have to dance at all and I'm just, like, writhing around in sheets. I think that's right. Because I love that, like, Call from the Vatican is so funny and sexy and uh, alive and great. And then she also gets to do the depressed, unhinged stuff, which is a delight. And I think Penelope Cruz does it super well here. And, yeah, I think that would be the most fun. I like when you get to do all of it. Yeah. The scene in this movie where like she gets spurned at the hotel and she has to walk home and she's like holding on to the wall because it's so dark will never not make me laugh. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. She's just, oh, oh, the devastation. Who do you think, <laughs> this is another question I have before we get started. Who do you think would win in a fight? Young Guido or Edgar from Ragtime and why? Mm. Oh, in a fight, young Guido, but then I think Edgar would do some psychic carry bullshit and kill Guido <laughs> later on. Edgar's, Edgar's psychic powers are batshit insane. So much of ragtime is absolutely crazy, and I am still devastated that we don't get the scene in the musical from the book where Edgar, uh, where fucking younger brother jerks off and comes on Evelyn Nesbitt. Um, We'll always be devastated. That is a scene in the book. Thank you, E.L. Doctorow. There's a scene where fucking Emma Goldman massages Evelyn Nesbitt and younger brother is in a closet jerking off while this happens. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, And then my last question before we really jump into this is, have you heard Alice Ripley's cover of um, A Call from the Vatican? Oh my God, I have actually. I used to listen to it a lot and I (laughs) forgot that it existed until just now. And it's, oh my God, oh, so many memories. For those of you at home, download the Maury Esten songbook immediately because you get a bunch of beautiful covers, but you also get Alice Ripley's cover of Call from the Vatican. Um, Yeah. It is very good. Uh, Yes, it's so good. There's so much vibrato. The sexiest (laughs) sound in the world. Yeah. We should talk about this movie. <laughs> we should. We should. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis 
basically starts and he's being interviewed and he's very tortured and he sits down and then like on the set of his movie, some movie, a movie, and then all of the women kind of come out in entrances to the overture and the overture yes, changes like the for ladies, each of them. Like the ladies in red part from Sondheim birthday concert. Yes. Yes. I was going to say that Nicole Kidman, when she comes out, she literally, the way she's lit from the back and she enters from the center, she looks like the cover of the Kiss of the Spider Woman album. Yes. Absolutely. She also looks unbelievable in this movie, I will say. I think, like, between this... God. I think this and Moulin Rouge are the most beautiful she has ever looked to me. I love her in just, like, I want her in a full-length gown just being worshipped. And these are those two movies for me. Yeah, she has that same, like, she has a heavy wig. Like, it's almost... uh... Yes. It's almost a Big Little Lies wig, but um, future guest Louis Bertel refers to that as a heavy, sad wig. And this is like a heavy, <laughs> happy wig. Like He's like, everything about it is yes. sad the way that it like curls. <laughs> yes. This is a happy, heavy wig. It's flippy. It's fun. It's Bardot. It's, yeah. She just looks so good in like period attire. Yeah, she looks fucking great here. I would argue that Kate Winslet gets a really fun entrance because she kind of like slides in and the music gets all happy. And then I would argue that Sophia Loren gets Kate um... Winslet. Oh shit! Kate Do I say Kate Winslet? <laughs> yes, but now I need Kate Winslet cinema Italiano. But she, I actually don't. Well, she kind of has like a a, a fun off screen persona, right? She might be down. Kate Hudson or Kate Winslet? She might be well, down. <laughs> either. Um, and then I would say that Sophia Loren gets the entrance that she deserves because it is just lauding praise and she just stands there. Yes. Guarda da luna. I mean, that song's very bad. It's so terrible. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot. Oh it's my God. Really bad. And it replaces... Yeah. Um, God, what does it replace? It replaces the... It replaces Nine, right? She sings not like the titular, like, Nine Happy Birthday song. Oh, yeah, I guess. I could... Again, I literally... The, the movie is the most, like, full-length version of the show that I have seen. I've never seen the show in full. So... But I will say, I yeah. think... take I think Take It All is more of a bop than Be On Your Own. I think Mary Stuart Masterson does a killer be on your own, but I live for Take It All. I think it's a jam. Take It All is really fun. Um, I did a, a spin class once forever ago, <laughs> and uh, there was like a, a clubby Take It All, and I was like, this is, okay, great. You can't do that to be on your own. Yeah, no, no. Um, We should introduce the other women in this movie. Uh judy dench as your friend your friend ben is that what you said yes lillianne lafleur the costume designer (laughs) she gets a very austere entrance where she's also just standing there kind of like nodding knowingly yeah honestly my favorite character in anything is the character that has a blunt bob with bangs it's just like that's the immediate way that you know like oh she's gonna say something dry and deadpan and sassy and i love they really um 
I remember for the trailers for this movie, they used the scene where she's like, being a director is just decisions. Like, do you want red or blue? Like, yes, yeah. no, blah, blah, blah. Like, they used that so much. Like, I think they used That's that scene directed. in its entirety. Oh, it was, yes, it was their favorite thing. Maestro, it's directed. <laughs> oh, so good. Is this movie a better trailer than it is a movie? Yes. Okay, great. This movie is a better <laughs> music video than it is a movie. I think it, like, just make this movie a music video with then Judy Dench like does that in the middle the way that like Lil Kim does her verse on Lady Marmalade yes <laughs> just do um, Lady Marmalade but this movie and it's like everyone gets a separate thing who else is here oh Fergie shows up and her version of the or her portion of the overture is like very choral and mm-hmm. echoey and ominous yes um, Marianne's is very sweet. Marianne is playing the wife. Very excited that I get to talk about um, Marianne. Thank you, love. Thank you, life. Cotillard, 9-11 truth or extraordinaire. Yes. Christine Ebersole. <laughs> Christine, Christine Ebersole and Marianne Cotillard in Sideshow. And it's just them singing about uh, 9-11 trutherism. Uh, I don't think Christine, I wonder if Christine Ebersole's ever worked with Nicole Kidman. I should know that. Ooh, that'd be back. great. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> and then we kind of mentioned Penelope Cruz. Uh, are we missing anyone? I think that's everybody. I think that's our merry cast of characters. Um, yes. I forgot about Judy Dench playing an accordion at one point in this movie. Special skills. What is Judy Dench's special skills on her resume look like? Playing the queen. Yeah. We should talk since I feel like I feel like you're a fan of this movie. I think we talked about this. The ways in which this character is and is not Reynolds Woodcock from Phantom Thread. Oh my god. Yes. No, that was that was the thing. This movie came out during a time where I was like, fuck Daniel Day Lewis. He seems so humorless and like I get that he's very good, but like I don't he just seemed so pretentious and I did not care about him. And it like really colored my first watch of this movie when it first came out. I was just like, well, this movie sucks and like, fuck this. But then after seeing Phantom Thread and the, the entire, are you a special agent sent here to ruin my evening and quite possibly my entire life? Like that's, my favorite line that's ever been said in anything. <laughs> yeah. And I and that movie was just like such a surprise, weird comedy that I am now fully on board for Daniel Day-Lewis. And so I was like, he's pretty good in this movie. And I just want to watch him as very particular, creative men. I could see, um, I could see a production of, of Nine where like, Leslie Manville comes and plays like Lillian and Vicky Creeps also shows oh, yeah. up and plays all the rest <gasps> of the women. <laughs> yeah. Vicky Creeps honestly has like a very Marion Cotillard vibe. Always like sort of smiling through squinty eyes until it gets very intense. Yes. <laughs> and then it all comes forward. But oh my God, just like sitting back when Marianne Cotillard just like sits back with a light smirk on her face as her world is shattering around her. Oh, she's, uh, she's so fucking good in this. Um, 
we so we get that scene I was mentioning where Daniel J. Lewis is like a sad director and Judy Dench is trying to like gas him up and she gets the iconic trailer line where she says, um, go out there and lie for Italy, lie for Italia. Italia. Um then he goes to that interview scene, and how crazy is it that all the interviewers, all the reporters are wearing dark except for one character, and that's Kate Hudson. Yeah, well, she has to. She's a loud American, and she's different than everybody else. And I love uh, that her name is just Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie, yeah. And Stephanie is a character in the musical, but she's not at all that. She's like named like Stephanie Necropolis or something like that. And she like hates Guido. And that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And like during Folie Berger, there's a whole counterpoint section where Stephanie is talking about all the reasons she hates Guido's movies. Like she's his biggest critic and they like don't fuck. And that's a whole it's an entirely different direction that they went for with the movie. But I love, I love patter counterpoint. Cause it, in the show, Liliane is going fully and Stephanie goes the trouble with Contini. He's the king of mediocrity, a second rate director who believes that he is Socrates. He never makes a movie or a picture or a flick. He makes a film, get it a film. And she just like is singing the whole time about how much she hates him. And I'm like, Oh, that would have been fun to see as well. But Cinema Italiano is uh, uh, contentless pop. It's I, I was going to say, it's fun as fuck, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no reason for it to be there. I do think that their, um, their like, double entendre question-answer section is really charming. And when the beat starts coming over the scene, she does this, like, eye fuck of Daniel Day-Lewis where she looks down and up to, like, two drum beats. And I'm like, oh, that's the best yes. part of the movie. <laughs> Yes. Um, also, thank you so much for doing that patter scene just now. Oh my God, you're welcome. I realized I was like, this is not enjoyable for anyone, but um, I needed to finish it. <laughs> I needed to do it to completion for myself uh, to just prove that I could for my own brain. I'll be contacting Equity as soon as this is over. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, I think... Is this where we get the first introduction, like, outside of the overture of Louisa slash Marianne? I think so. Because the musical starts with her, like, starts with her, like, the actual show. Yeah. Um, And you get that I- iconic, like, um, uh, the, like, Guido, Mr. Escutando, he was a teacher of mine at school. <laughs> that whole thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Equity. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, former guest Tom Zohar can do the entire thing start to finish and has in my presence many times. Um, Remarkable. She basically exists in the movie to just show up and be sad, which is a little disappointing, but also very mm-hmm. satisfying. Yes, because I love watching her emote. She uh, she says so much. Um, yes, because we... she's so serenely sad for so long that then when it all builds up, Oh, it's great. The payoff is tremendous. Um, It's, like, so hard to remember the order of this movie because it's all music videos. Uh, There's, like, a big, like, slapstick element of this that I know resonates on stage. But, like, when he's, like, hiding behind the plant at the hotel and there's all these, like, silly cuts. I'm, like, I know that they're trying to capture the madcap sense of a theater, but it just does not work on screen. No, it just seems upsetting. 
Um, oh, fuck, this movie is so hard to navigate through. Uh, so Guido like has this interview, and basically the plot is he is basically trying to promote a movie that he hasn't even begun to make. So he just says it's about Italy. And then he freaks out because he's a cowardly man and he runs away and hides without his wife because he sucks and goes to like a spa. Um, and then it turns into like a Benny Hill number where he's like hiding from his producer and manager and his wife, like, and his mistress. Um, and then eventually Judy Dench does the opening number from Follies. Yes. And all these women come out in numbers and she, like I said, Folly Berger is the number that I mostly turn off during fun it's there yeah i think it's catchy i think it's a catchy little tune when it slows down like when young guido shows up in the audience i'm just like holy shit like this song (laughs) is so long it's It's so slow now at this point yeah it's still happening i mean that's why like it's usually when you have the stephanie part in it as a counterpoint then it's Mm -hmm. like oh this is fun and i get why you have this like slow legato melody line because you have this pattern juxtaposed with it but when it's but they didn't cut any of folly berger i don't think so it's just like oh now this is just a long legato song with nothing else going on yeah (laughs) um I think I might have glossed over it, but we we did talk a little about a uh, call from the Vatican, and I do want to say that Penelope Cruz sliding down on that giant triangle with those sheets is iconic. And did it deserve the yes. Oscar nomination it got? Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, Perhaps I was glad someone someone came out of this movie with a little bit of their pride increased from this movie i'm trying to think opposed to deplete it i guess like marianne would be the only person that i would say like if we have to give a supporting actress nomination to one of them i would maybe give it to her instead but yeah or fergie fuck it we've done stupider things Fergie, yeah yes yeah in terms of like women that show up do exactly what it is that they need to do and leave she is the answer to that yeah, Fergie could be the Judy Dench in Shakespeare and Love of this movie. Yeah. Judy Dench passes the torch to Fergie. It's like, go. That's beautiful. Pick up hardware for <laughs> very little yeah, time. Like, there should have been a scene in this movie where the two of them get to interact and, and she hands it over. Yes. Where are we? Oh, so we get a hilarious scene where he goes to... Um, like appeal to like this cardinal that's in like a hot tub basically. Yep. And I can't remember why. I know that his thing is like he loves um Nicole Kidman. So Daniel Day Lewis like <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis like puts lipstick on and pretends to be Nicole Kidman and and like kisses a an autograph photo and Nicole appears but only silently cuz she's just like a device at this point. Yes, correct. Correct. And I was like maybe she's not even there. Maybe she's just there in his dreams. I think who could say? Yeah, I think it's definitely that. But why? What? Why does yeah. he even go to see the cardinal? I can't even remember. No idea. I it, guess, it just see on a film somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it does not matter. It's just like I'm a big fan of Claudia Jensen. Also, the fact that they changed it to Claudia Jensen so Nicole could be in a blonde wig is a true delight. Yeah, isn't it Claudia Nardi before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think we cruise into the the B Italian scene. I did make a note, and this might not resonate with you, perhaps. I'm not really sure. But Fergie lives in the same kind of like igloo house as like Luke Skywalker did. <laughs> and I yes. did think that, that was it. It was like a stone igloo. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, she just lives in a fuck hut. Like, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> and is the scene is in black and white because we need to know that it's a flashback and young Guido is there with all this shithole for Yes, it's older, timey. <laughs> um, but basically, young Guido and all his friends like go to meet a whore. The whore is Fergie. They do not ask her about Boom Boom Pow, which seems like a missed no. opportunity. They don't ask her about the time she pissed herself either. Yes, that's... I mean, there it is right there. She's wearing very messy mascara because we need to know immediately that she's a woman who prioritizes other things. Yes. And we need to know why Guido has that weird fucking thing with messy eye makeup later on. Oh, yeah. telegraphs to us, oh, he (laughs) a child still. Oh, I see. Because he put the messy makeup on her. Now, I didn't know before that he was emotionally stunted, but now I do. It's really complex. He, like, puts it on um, Penelope Cruz, then he smears it, and then he's like, but also, like, stumble into my room and pretend you don't know me. Like, it is a multi-stage process. Yeah, it's that's too much work. At least in Phantom Thread, it was literally one too, step. You, yeah, it was just, like, eating. Yes, I'm like, you need to choose one part of this. You can either get the messy, fucked up, makeup or i will go outside and come back in you don't get to have all of them penelope cruz is really cute in that scene though like when she goes out and she jumps back in she's like there (gasps) was someone out there and she's just like she's so joyful she's so charming in this uh and when she like puts on his glasses Mm -hmm. so sweet um i think that's intercut with this scene and then we go into the italian proper and Yes. I would just like to say that the tambourine choreography with the sand is it's peak cinema. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. I love it so much. It's just genuinely like a great number, start to finish. I love the way they intercut with her on the sand and what they do with the chair. It's just, it's really brilliant. And it made, it makes the rest of the movie so much more infuriating. Cause you're like, Oh, that was really good. It is. Why is the rest of this not good? We get like the best section right here because we get be Italian. And then I think the very next number is um, my husband makes movies. And then it's like this, this peak in yes. the middle of the movie. And we're like, maybe it'll pick up from here. <laughs> yep. And instead there is that really funny moment where I think we might have talked about this at some point (laughs) where Penelope Cruz says like I'll be waiting with my legs open and Daniel Day-Lewis just like rolls his eyes at her yes (laughs) it's just so he's just so vicious to that woman yes and I really thought as I was rewatching, I was like what a weird response like what a weird way to end that scene like (laughs) It's it's so sad. It's like this moment of like it's this very relatable moment of like sexual vulnerability and then someone just like literally spits in your face after it. Yes. I think at this point he's like kicked her. Oh, he's like left her at the like shitty railroad house that she's staying in. And he yep. goes back to the hotel yep. because there's a dinner 
and uh, then Louisa just shows up and like, by the way, it's her birthday and um, no one told Daniel Delius because people have to tell him that because there's no way he could possibly remember that. No, how could he remember anything when he is too busy remembering all of these women and just the specific thing about their personality that is immediately visible to him? I would argue that the true love story in this movie is Lillian and Louisa because she, like, obviously, she buys the birthday gift, and I love how warm, there's, like, a second of warmth between the two of them at the end, and then, like, she's kind of keeping an eye on her after they split up, spoiler alert, but, like, that one moment where they kind of, like, embrace in the, like, daily scene is so tender, and it is completely unjustified, but they sell it. I love it so much. Yeah. Their relationship um, is very, very sweet to me. Just get together. Get together. Ladies. Do <laughs> uh, notes on a scandal with Lillian LaFleur and Louisa. Yes. <laughs> Revive notes on a scandal. Um, should we talk about Cinema Italiano? Sure. I fucking uh, love this number. <laughs> It's so fun. It's really, really fun, but it's also the most, like, music video. And I guess that's the point, because it's talking about how, like, Guido's movies are style over substance. But it also, like, takes a very bloated movie and just adds a song that does nothing to further plot at all. Um, But it's a very fun song. And Kate Hudson does it very well. She belts the fuck out of it. I'm like, all right, girl. My favorite part about this number is um, that they're all wearing, like, uh, rhinestone, um, like, fringe outfits. And over the singing, you can hear the rhinestones, like, clacking against them. Like, that, they choose to include that, like, diegetic sound. And I think it's so funny yeah. because it's, like, this audible clack, like, slamming against their bodies the entire number. It's, it's the real version of the Oops, I Did It Again music video uh, on YouTube where someone yes. just like did it with the <laughs> Yes. I always think about those uh, those Wendy Williams videos where she like click clacks out. It's dead silent. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um it's a it's a good number. I think the all the little like patter in there about like dark handsome guys, skinny little ties, shades in the middle of the night. Skinny little ties. Um, yeah, I do really love a spoken interlude. So when she goes back into it, it's like, dark and handsome guys, skinny little ties. I, <laughs> I do live for. And then she brings it back home with sleek women in Positano. Yes. Oh, and with a slide up on Positano. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Kate. It's Kate's best work since uh, The Skeleton Key. Almost Famous? Or that. Oh, the Skeleton <laughs> Key. Sure. Have sure, you ever sure. seen that movie? It's wild. It's okay. We don't have to talk about it too much or at all, really. But I will just say that it involves um, slaves possessing. It's basically like it's basically reverse Get Out, um, because it's like Great. it's uh, slaves like using voodoo to possess general ends, um, and then at the end, the plot twist is that they move on and they take over Kate Hudson's body, and so she has to do possession acting, and it is truly unwell. And that's all I'll say. Right. It's worth it. She's also doing a deep south accent at the end. This is where we get the Sunset Boulevard portion of the movie where 
Carla like fakes an overdose and or like a suicide attempt and very Glenn Close and Daniel Day Lewis has to go and like has this weird interaction with her husband. It's like she loves you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like he just got cast to be like cuck. Yes. It's like worse than full on. It's worse than like um Amos in Chicago, because at least he gets like a cool number. Yes, but this guy was just there. And it's like, did we need to add him for the movie? Yeah. <laughs> really? We needed to hear from this guy for a sec? No. They had that extra boy at stage door and they needed to cast him. Yeah. Um, yep. What What would you like to say about the Guadalajara section, which is Sophia Loren's show-stopping number? Um, just that it truly stops the show in that just time halts time grinds to a standstill as it's happening and um yeah and i hate to say it because sophia loren obviously legend but was not served by this this is not really her greatest moment like i listened to this album so much when this movie came out and i still don't know the lyrics to that song no. No, 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 no. I think no. I know Guadalajara. It hangs in the sky, and then that's it. It also just, like, doesn't really have a melody. Like, it's not really a song. It just feels like someone, like, croaking Guadalajara at me. It's the suggestion of a song. Croaking. Yeah. The, there is a uh, tangential relationship to music. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say again, it replaces the song Nine, which is pretty batty, um, but I do really like it. The lyrics also make no sense. Um, it's a really bad number. It, it's like really sad that that's what they gave her to work with. Um, I probably don't think that she's at this point the most talented singer, um, but that is like truly, <laughs> that's truly just like a shit sandwich yeah, it's that they just like, her. You don't need. You don't need to give her a song then. If you want Sophia Loren, like, have her do a big, weird dream scene or something. Like, just do that. That's a change that you can make that I would be like, oh, probably she can't She can't sing. Like, great. Have her do a scene. It's definitely the, um, it's definitely the rudest thing that Mar- uh, Rob Marshall does in this entire film. Yeah. Just, like, help help your actresses. Show them at their best. Um, I think at this point we are... Actually, I don't think I know because I wrote this down, but we are an hour and 17 minutes mm-hmm. in and then Nicole finally shows up in a speaking role. Oh, Jesus Christ. We've been waiting and now she's here. Oh my God. I would like to ask you where you think her accent is from. I was wondering. Um... It feels like sort of like an old-timey mid-Atlantic thing that she's doing. And I think that's okay. why they're like Claudia yeah. Jensen. So maybe she's from like, is Jensen, is that like Swedish? Uh, yeah, I think like that's maybe what we're like supposed to believe. A, yeah, like a Swedish woman that then like came to Hollywood because she's very beautiful and then was discovered by European filmmakers. And so she has like a little bit of everything is what I would say. 
Yeah, she's like the wonder. Ula of this movie. Is she, what is she doing? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> she's truly the Ula. Um, her saying, like, when she's talking to DDL at this serene fountain and um, he's, she's talking about, like, him being, like, an all-powerful man and, like, really, like, just making fun of him. When she says, I'd rather be the man, that was feminist rights right there. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, like, Claudia says some of my favorite things in this movie uh, in terms of just, like, calling out Guido for putting her, putting women on pedestals and not seeing them as real people. Um, But then it, it comes so late that I think it is actually it feels like too little too late in the, in the world of the movie after we've like been inside his head the whole time and seeing these women in those ways. And then for her to show up an hour and 17 minutes in and be like, Oh no, we do know what it all is. And now feminism and it's just like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but no, cause we're still like seeing all of this through his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of gets hers at the end. Sort of. Yeah. Um, she then sings Unusual Way in a uh, oh, beautiful... Baritone key. Um, thoughts like, as a professional. I feel, I feel like she could sing it. It's fucking wild. I was like, Moulin Rouge, she is singing so high a lot of the time. And I was like, why did they take it down so many keys? I get that they... I get that maybe... It's, it's weird for a contemporary ear to hear, like, classical soprano singing, but I still don't think it needed to be fully, like, you're the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> what? It feels like a full octave down, and it, I know it's not, but it really does feel that. It feels like it sits low in her voice, too. It doesn't sound like a natural place for her to be singing. It just behooves no one. It's it's such a tough key. And I'm thinking about, like, there's the whole, like, a man like you section in the show that I'm thinking, like, specifically Laura Benanti singing it. And it is up there. Like, I don't think she yes. necessarily needs to go there. Yes. But there's definitely a happy yeah. medium. She could have nailed. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. It is just the gentlest baritone. When, like, the song started and I was like how are they gonna get to a regular key and then she sang and I was like oh they're not gonna get to this is this is the key we're in a basement we are fully in a basement and we're chained to a radiator it's that is it's just so (laughs) the tone it's just so funny too because it's like I can see a producer being like uh, you know Moulin Rouge was at least a full decade before um, all these things, but yeah. she consistently sings in movies. Like there, I would say half of her films, she sings something, even if it's just for a second. So they have this like career length history of her being able to do things, and then they're like, "This is the key we'll do." Yes. Uh, still great though. Still love it. Still listen to it. To hers, yeah. Oh, I have to. a true fan. Uh, there's definitely a, a true. A, there's fan. definitely a playlist on my phone of. Um, like anything that she sung <laughs> and that's on it. Yes. <laughs> For sure. 
her, her Robbie Williams tip my hat. stupid is on there. Um, all her Moulin Rouge tracks. Oh. Ripped audio from YouTube of um, her singing in Australia. Uh, she sings oh over the God. somewhere over the rainbow. That's what it felt like when when Guido was like, "I'm gonna do Italia," and I was like, "Oh, like Australia." <laughs> I can't wait for Nicole to cover every country in a movie individually. I hope. Um, I would like to ask you, as a person who auditions, about this next scene, which is the um, like test footage of all the women and how they say that that Donatello girl is a natural and she truly sucks. <laughs> And then there's that, yeah. that girl, Alessia, who they refer to as Alessia from the North. Oh, my God. Is Alessia the bad one? Donatella is, like, the kind of bimbo-y um, one that they want to hire. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Her. And Alessia is, like, the brunette one, so you know that she's a serious the, actress. Yeah, who, yes. And she's legitimately, quote-unquote, good. And then he recreates the Louisa moment with her. Um, yeah. Uh, that feels right. That feels right of just a room of dudes uh, looking at someone who truly sucks, but that they're just like, oh yeah, give it to her. Um, Speaking of auditions, can gosh. I tell you that I saw a regional production of the last five years last weekend where they took out all the swearing? That's incredible. What what production? Where was it? Um, it was at the second stage at Mountain View Center for the Performing Arts. I probably shouldn't sell them out, but um, it it already closed. But um, yeah, it was it was tough. And boy, did they love the fact that Jamie eats Doritos because those things were in every scene. Oh my god, Doritos as just like the full on character. Yeah, it, that. it was a black box. Well, they mention and, it. And, so. Yeah, I swear to God, no one laughed during the entire thing. It was so uncomfortable. That's gorgeous. Um, the only time I laughed, and this is such a tangent, is during uh, a summer in Ohio when she's listing the things at the end. She's saying, you know, um, uh, the stripper, Wayne the Snake, and Mrs. Jamie Willerstein. She's, like, sealing the envelope. And so she sang it, and she said, like, uh, the stripper, <laughs> and she, like, licked the envelope. So she just, like purposely flubbed those lines because she was licking an envelope natalie do you get it oh my god behavior we love an actress in behavior <laughs> that was what i learned from nyu tish is they're like be making a sandwich be eating an apple be <laughs> sewing be sewing always always be sewing the flag maker the, the flag maker 1776 like, yes <laughs> <laughs> yes yes um so they invite Louisa in to like, this is so fucking sadistic, which is like Daniel Day-Lewis is like, come see this movie that I'm vaguely making about you. Come see these young women that I'm casting instead of you. And then tell me which one you like better. Also, I know our relationship yeah, is about oh. to be divorced. It is so fucked. And you really lose all of your sympathy for Guido that he like makes her do this after she has suffered the indignity of seeing his mistress at the hotel. Like, all of this. And then he's like, you have to come watch all these women that I'm going to cast, even though you were an actress in my movie and you like aren't working because you've devoted yourself to my bullshit. Oh God, it's infuriating. And then we get take it all because it all comes to a head and uh, this is your moment. Yes. Oh my God. I love this number. I love a striptease and 
I especially love a striptease when it is uh, divorced from like actual seduction. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it's, it has like the musicality of a striptease and is choreographed like one, but it's all about her increasing rage. Oh, and anguish and oh, she really lets it rip on this. She's so good in this section. And I love this concept. I love this concept for a song. Like this is the one where I was like, this is a change that I love. Cause I think be on your own might be like a little too static for a film. And now you, it, this is the moment also where like the dream concept works really well um, to see what's really going on in her head. And I, I really, I think this is a very excellent song and performance and concept. Yeah, I think it really sings. I love um, that it's basically the strip from Gypsy. She gives them a glove. It has the same kind yes. of like drum beat in the background. I love when she runs down the runway and all the men like pull her back. Yep. It's good. Yeah, it really is good. You're right. Cause like <laughs> always be doing something. What would she be doing during Be On Your Own to make it interesting? I'm trying to think. I guess like packing boxes. <laughs> Yes. She'd be folding. Yeah, she'd be throwing throwing <laughs> his stuff out the window. Folding the clothes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um we get oh, I realize that we it truly doesn't matter. We don't have to talk about it, but I do realize that we've um skipped Daniel D. Lewis's song at the beginning. Not I can't make this no. but the one where he does like the Sunday in the park with George. I would like to be here. voice thing. I would like to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. he does sing I Can't Make This Movie at this point. Um, yes. I guess he's just like, oh, he's like tearing the set down. He's tearing the set down. Oh, yeah. Because we have to understand That's that it's a metaphor. All of it. There is no movie. There's only life. Life is the movie and the movie is life. <laughs> we get this um, additional scene that's like flash forward, basically where Louisa we see in a newspaper is like um doing Broadway uh Italian Broadway and yeah doing Italian Broadway <laughs> and Daniel Day-Lewis like draws a clown over Louisa's face which is so fucking like he literally is fucking rude until the very end yes we see her like coming out of the stage door with like another man um and then I think he takes like a serene walk with Lillian and he's like trying to get information out of her. And he's, she's just like, no, fuck you. Like <laughs> leave her alone. Yeah. Make a movie, like go work on something. Don't just be an annoying schlub. She's gone. Yeah. Oh my God. She's gone. The cut song from Sideshow. Iconic. Ah, oh, so good. It's really good. Um, And then at the end, we get him finally making his movie, but Baby Guido is directing. What does it all mean? We're back. We're back at the start. Or are we? <laughs> start at the back. Yeah. No, it's all a psycho. <laughs> I love that they get to re-enter, and I love when Carla enters this time. She's with her husband. I think that's sweet. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
And then Louisa is hiding. She doesn't get her entrance. They play that same section of the song and there's no entrance and he gets very confused. But nope, she's she's just lingering by the stage door. She's she's your character. When she's she's so- watching. She's standing slightly behind him, just watching him and being proud. She's that character that you did where she's just like, and then she'll show up, you know, in the doorway, just asking if anyone needs a hand. Yeah, yeah. and just cocks her head to the side. And we know. And then we know. And that's nine, baby. And then they all look directly at the camera and they yell nine and then it fades to black. Nine! <laughs> oh, I made, I'm so, what the most embarrassing part about that is I made that joke just now about them all looking at the camera and saying nine and then it ends. But I just remember that it literally ends with Guido yelling action, clapping the thing, and then it ends. So like I made the joke that actually happens so- in the movie. <laughs> But yeah, it's pretty corny. It's pretty equally corny to the fake thing that we said. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess final thoughts on the movie before we rate it. Yes. Um, it's just not good, and it's just like you can isolate parts of it that are good. So I do recommend like I don't know how many of the songs from the movie exist on YouTube of the numbers. Cause I do recommend take it all. I recommend call from the Vatican. I recommend, uh, be Italian. Um, but I would recommend Cinema Italiano. This... If you just like want to have some fun. Oh yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But, but all of the things that are happening between are mostly bad. And like the concept of the movie is not good. It's just Rob Marshall re, recycling the concept that he used for Chicago that's really excellent because of course Roxy sees everything as these musical numbers because she desperately wants to be a star of stage and with this it just sort of doesn't make sense that Guido is seeing everything in musical numbers and that like he dreams in musical numbers it just doesn't really track yeah And so it's just boring. And then it's also, it's especially watching it now, like it was slightly, I thought about this part of it less then, but now I'm just like, I don't really want to watch a show about like a man and the way that he perceives women in his life as like each only fulfilling like one specific purpose. Like this is the sex he wants. Like he sees them as glorified Spice Girls. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the show is really good, and there are parts of this movie that are good, but it's just so misguided from the jump. The fact that I always think about it where they just didn't know what to do with it and they didn't know who was it, who it was for was the fact that the very first teaser yeah. for the film was... Um, <laughs> the very first teaser was shown during an episode of Barefoot Contessa. Oh my and gosh. the plot of that episode was that Ina Garten was making... Um, I think breakfast for Rob Marshall and John DeLuca while they were like editing the film. Like she shows up to like bring them food while they're editing. That is truly wild. Yeah. It's a thing that you can't make up, but that was the first time anyone saw a teaser was on a food network show. Oh my God. Also nothing but nothing but respect for my Ina garden. And she could play Lillian yesterday if she wanted. Oh, she'd be so good. She would be the best. Actually, she'd be a great Lillian. Um, let's do this. Let's pivot and let's try to rate this movie. Um, I'm going to give you some one through five categories, uh, five being the highest, 
this can be about the movie as a whole or just Nicole, really, it's up to you to justify. Um, and you are in competition Excellent. for the Golden Compass Award. Um, so the first one on this scale is going to be the wigs in this film, one through five. Oh, five. Yes, this is the wiggiest movie that's ever existed. Gorgeous wigs. <laughs> Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Great wigs, beautiful wigs. Yes, yes, yes. I was about to... Oh, my God. Um, okay, next is going to be the accent work in the film. Three? I just wasn't sure what anyone was going for accent-wise, for the most mm-hmm. part. Like, I specific people I was like okay like you're supposed to be Italian but then it felt like for so many other people there were like excuses for why their accents were weird and nebulous like Marianne Cotillard being like the scene that's the flashback where she's like I moved around a bunch I don't know yeah, I, I, love that. Like I love that piece of clever exposition not, yeah where I was like I don't know what anyone's accent is really supposed to be doing Oh, Fergie, I don't really know what her accent is, is doing. So I'll give it a three. Yeah. I'll give it a three. Well, Fergie's from Tatooine because she has the same house as Luke Skywalker. So yes. that's a very yes. that's a very native yeah. Tatooine accent. Um, yes. This next one requires a bit of explanation, but this is the Naomi Watts scale. Um, a high score on this suggests a strong connection of Naomi Watts to this movie, um, common examples being, does she own a copy of it? Did she audition for any of the parts in the movie? Do her and Nicole text about it? That sort of thing. And you get to explain to the audience why you feel your score is just. Naomi Watts had nothing to do with this movie. Naomi Watts doesn't fuck with this movie at all. I don't think Naomi sings. Um, so I don't think she would have been in contention for it. Um, I think they really tried to... I think Nicole being blonde and blue eyed was sort of the anomaly of the cast. Uh, and then they just went with someone aggressively American in Kate Hudson. I don't think Naomi auditioned and I don't think Nicole cares about this movie enough to have been like, Naomi, you have to see this movie or you have to have it. I feel like Nicole was just like, Oh, I did. Th- this was cute and fun. I got to wear a gown and I just filmed for like two days or something. I don't think Naomi cares. So I'll give it on the Naomi Watts scale. I'll give it a one. I think Naomi like texted Nicole, like texted Nicole, like you look gorgeous Yeah. <laughs> at the premiere. And like, that's it. I will say that, um, that she had to film this like a month after giving birth to one of her kids. Um, mm. So I think that they had bigger things to talk about. Also, Naomi Watts clearly like doesn't own this on iTunes because it doesn't fucking exist. It doesn't online. exist anywhere. It doesn't exist anywhere. Um, okay, next is approachability. So if you see um, Claudia Jensen at like um, a premiere party or uh, an audition, how likely are you to strike up a conversation with her one through five? Mm, one. Okay. One on approachability. She's too beautiful. She's too beautiful. She's like one of the most famous people in the world. I'm too scared. I'm simply too scared. And she doesn't seem like the kind of celebrity who would like be on Twitter, be like a dummy on Twitter where I could be like, Hey, do you like dog? Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I would be like, I've never seen someone that beautiful in my life up close. And I don't know how to engage with them. This next one is, uh, the Scientology scale. So, uh, 
a five on this scale would mean that this is basically Scientology propaganda. Um, and a one on the scale would mean that this film kind of um, disagrees with all the teachings of Scientology. And again, you can explain if you feel the need. Um, I think three, because it's like a lot of women in service of one man, but also he like gets his shit together and he like gets the shit kicked out of him a little bit. So I don't think it's like a full five, but I think for a while it's, yeah. I think that's perfect. Um, this last one is overall level of iconicness as this movie pertains to Nicole's career. Oh, one. It does not matter. It does not matter. She barely gets anything to do. She does fine with it, but mostly she, it's very Pinterest worthy. <laughs> but what Nicole does in the movie, she is not well served by. All right. Uh, I agree. This gives you, um, out of a possible 30, this gives you a 14, which I think is apt, yeah, I will say. I think that's about right. This scale really has not disappointed me. I think there is some dark science in here that I accidentally cooked up because it really has put all movies in their rightful place. That's excellent. Yeah, it's really good. They're very good questions. Thank you to so consider. much. consider for, for <laughs> any movie where you're seeing your favorite actress. Um, yeah, please use this at home. Uh, yes. I do have one last task for you, um, if you're up to it. Great. Uh, it's something that I ask all my guests to do, um, and it essentially is a supplement for me doing Big Little Lies episodes on this podcast. Um, I've kind of outsourced it to my guests, so I give each of them 60 seconds on the clock to explain um, the plot or whatever they think it is important to know about Big Little Lies Season 1. Um, you get that minute to kind of soapbox about it. Uh, so if you feel ready, I will put a minute on the clock and um, you can just get a running start. Great. Uh, Big Little Lies is a show about our girls, Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, and Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley was not one of my faves back in the day, but she really came back with this show for me. Um, but Nicole Kidman has bad kids. Reese Witherspoon has okay kids. Shailene Woodley has good kid. Uh, Nicole Kidman's kids are bad because she is married to Alexander Sarsgaard, who is bad. And over the course of the season, you start and he is hot and okay, but then you see that he is hot and bad and then his badness becomes so all-encompassing that you cannot see him as hot any longer and that's brave and then zoe kravitz is there adam scott is not as hot as alexander skarsgård but is good and so he gets hotter <laughs> bye <laughs> it's a quick minute right it's a quick minute. I was like, how am I going to talk for one for a whole minute? And then, <laughs> oh, God. Everyone finds a way. Um, Everyone finds a way. That was good. Way. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my God. I wish I could play us out to that spin mega mix that I heard of. Um, take it all. It was so. Take it all. It was yeah. so empowering. Oh, <laughs> um, on that note, the last thing I haven't asked you. <laughs> the last thing I haven't asked you is, is there something you'd like to be played out to on this episode? It doesn't have to be from this film. This is really, this can be about you if you'd like. Oh. No, I think take, I think take me out to Cinema Italiano. 
It's a bot. I want to okay, let the great. people have a fun day. Uh, yeah, leave them wanting more. Um, before yes. we sign off, can you remind people where they can find you? Absolutely. I am at NWOX on Twitter and Instagram and Natalie Lear, L-E-E-R, Walker.com if you want any other things. That'll usually be where upcoming shows and stuff will be posted. Perfect. Um, as always, you can find the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, now Spotify. Very exciting. Um, also Ooh. on Twitter. I know, right? Also on Twitter at the same handle, The Kid Manifesto. Um, just follow me directly at Mr. Sam Herbst if you want um, more Nicole Kidman memes. I just split my time between the two. Uh, throw us that rate and subscribe, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and I guess enjoy the sounds of Cinema Italiano. Natalie, thank you so much for uh, trying to navigate this film with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad we were able to uh, finally make it happen. Uh, thrilling. I will. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, bye. You have such style. I always think that. It's the other thing I love about your movies. Style. Oh, every frame. It's like a postcard. Okay. It's great. You care as much about the suit as the man wearing it. Mm. It's the Italian man in you. Pays for the drinks. Dresses you with his eyes. I hate that man. No. Style's new content. It's what my readers love. They want to dress like Claudia Jensen. They want to undress like Claudia Jensen. They want to ride on a Vespa down the Via Veneto. They want to live in an Italian movie. I love the black and white. I love the play of light. The way Contini puts his image through a prism. I feel my body chill. Gives me a special thrill each time I see that Guido Neo realism. I love the dark and handsome guys with the skinny little ties, just mod looking out of sight. I love to watch them as they cruise with their pony leather shoes, wearing shades in the middle of the night. Whatever Guido does, it makes me smile. He is the essence of Italian style. Of the glamorous Latin world, only Guido can portray. Continue